This is DRS, Broken English Gang, Manchester for life. Yo, this is TRAC. Hey, this is Colette Warren. Hi, this is Cleveland Watkins. This is Diligent Fingers. So, hey, this is Deg. Yo, this is Connie Khan from Children of Zeus. This is MC Copper. Yo, this is Inja, representing Valiant MC. And I'm chilling out with Valiant right now. You know, in tune to Valiant MC. You're listening to Valiant MC. With Valiant MC. And you're listening to Valiant MC. The man like Valiant MC. Got on the vocal. On the vocal. On the vocal. On the vocal. And you're locked into the vocal so make sure you get your dial tune you know 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 Fix this all yourself Cause I just don't remember you It's like you're someone else And all this crazy shit we do It's not enough to fix this all again We're not in love I wouldn't call us friends Man, I had the world in the palm of my hand The man is to fuck it up without a plan Oblivious, then give a second thought to what's important No, it's trivial, but truthfully I didn't understand Was too busy writing jams, like sand Couldn't see us slipping through my hands and fingers Like we're building different brands So many conversations and cross-examination With bare exaggeration, my emojis praying hands Always trouble when I land Another weekend shuttle from the galaxy That's fueled by substances that come in grams Is this really who I am? Is this really who we are? I say this most sincerely, maybe things have gone too far Maybe things have gone too far I say this most sincerely, maybe this is who we are You can never see things clearly when you're looking through the stars I say this most sincerely, maybe this is who we are You can never see things clearly when you're looking from the start Fix this all yourself Cause I just don't remember you It's like you're someone else And all this crazy shit we do It's not enough to fix this all again we're not in love, I wouldn't call us friends Time changes everything, every single moment The mirror still reflects but the image is now broken The pieces of the past lay strewn across the carpet Remarks hit harder than cars hit, you might have bit off way, way more than you can chew Was a novice so I promise to never reframe you But life flips in a second and I don't regret Cause I need every second Are we just here once? Or maybe we've danced together We've sampled pleasures That's why we felt at home together Got blown through weather The type that is enough to sever The future endeavors That's why we don't remain with treasure I guess Gotta wonder what it is No Gotta focus on your heart and on your biz Yeah a life will always serve you up a better path Watch out for the signs like you're hunting for an autograph Fix this all yourself Cause I just don't remember you It's like you're someone else And all this crazy shit we do It's not enough to fix this all again We're not in love I wouldn't call us friends It's friends Fence, 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 fence,
What is up, everybody? This is another episode of The Vocal. I am your host, Valiant MC. That track right there is Dynamite MC and DRS Fix It All featuring London Electricity as heard on Sick Music 2020. The good news that accompanies this track is that Dynamite and DRS are putting out an album together later in the year. So anyone who's a fan of drum and bass MCs, this may very well be the most anticipated drum and bass MC album ever. And that's saying quite a bit, because the albums that DRS has released have been highly anticipated. The Degs album that is coming out later this month, highly anticipated. But this one is on this different kind of level, just because of the the history the two bring to the game. And of course, Dynamite is the special guest on this episode. However, before we get to that, we're going to interview Anastasia, the rising Toronto songstress. It's heard on this remix right here of my track with her and Will Miles uh, entitled The Ronin. And the remix was done by Sika. Now, I've played this remix before the full vocal. Uh, This is the mostly instrumental remix. A little bit light in the vocals, but there are some in there. Uh, So after this tune is over, you are going to hear uh, our interview with Anastasia, uh, and then a couple of tracks from her before we get to the Dynamite interview. So, Cool London family, stay tuned. This is The Vocal. I'm sick I'm better than the headliner. Underestimated, overlooked, sick of I'm a rolling Show. Screw face, the wind. Don't need no one. I 
not a native-born Canadian. So where are you from? Tell the public. Tell the public. <laughs> I like that native-born Canadian. Um, I'm actually from Ukraine, from Kiev in Ukraine. Came to Canada with my mom uh, when I was around four. So uh, pre- pretty much grew up here, but uh, spoke Russian in the house, uh, you know, growing up and still. And uh, so, yeah, so I started learning sort of English and, and Russian at the same time. Uh, we actually also immigrated through Israel because at that time a lot of people were leaving after the Soviet collapse and, um, uh, and yeah, and going to Israel first allowed us to come to Canada. So I'm just super grateful for that. Um, definitely really, really appreciate living in Canada relative to other places in the world. So how old were you when you moved here? About four, yeah. So what kind of music and stuff were you into when you were growing up? It's a great question. Um, definitely a lot of different stuff. Um, I can tell you a big influence on me was, was my grandpa. He was super into jazz. So I just remember kind of growing up and anytime I was in the car with him, you know, sort of be listening to jazz. Um, another big influence for me was, was hip hop. So, um, was listening to a lot of like underground hip hop and not really, not really connecting with anyone else around me, like at school, like no one really listened to it. So, you know, like, Tribe Called Quest, The Roots, uh, Talib Kweli, Mostaf, that sort of thing. Um, and so I ended up basically making friends online on, on a hip hop chat forums on T.Wire. And then I ended up making some friends in, in person that way too through shows. So hip hop is definitely a big one for me. Um, and then after that sort of it's hip hop is what led me to like, uh, sort of trip hop and down tempo type of stuff really into like Portis head and thievery corporation. And that is what eventually led me to discovering drum and bass. And I remember when I discovered drum and bass and I first, first heard it, it was like, Oh my God, this is, this has everything I love about music in it. You know, and if I'm feeling kind of the more, yeah, I want to listen to like atmospheric electronics, you know, I can go one route. If I really want some like heavy bass, like gritty, I listen to a lot of bass music growing up too. Um, you know, it kind of has everything. I love prog rock elements. Like I listen to a lot of Tool growing up. So definitely all over the map. And I just love that drum and bass kind of uh, allowed me to find all of my interests within kind of one culture. People don't think of uh, Ditos and Babas running around Ukraine listening to jazz. It's funny you say that because it was it was definitely one of those um, like jazz itself and American music like in the Soviet was one of those kind of like underground like oh you know uh, my grandpa would have. Uh, basically like pirated records that were like illegally brought from outside of the Soviet Union. And so it was kind of like a currency to have cool jazz records, like even things like the Beatles, like, you know, if you, if you had a copy of that, the, the ladies were running to you. So <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, nowadays I'm old enough to where, you know, all through high school I had cassettes, uh, like I had at least a dozen cassettes in my backpack and, you know, my Walkman and stuff like that. And yeah. and then I got into CDs and then, you know, music became completely digitized and now it, it doesn't exist anymore except as data. And it's hmm. interesting, you know, people who are really young do not understand um, how much of a commodity music itself was just as a physical right. form. Like you had, you treasured your music, you owned it. It was, you know, it was so vitally important to you. And especially to think about people who, um, had to get music in surreptitious ways or had to get music had to smuggle it in or uh, in yeah. times of poverty or in times of war. And it, they, they have no idea what it's like to own and treasure 
physical copies of your music like that. It's it's a great point, and it reminds me of this uh, thing I read in a book recently, where um, you know the the importance of uh, artist merchandise has kind of helped tap into the, the very reason that people like to kind of treasure, you know, just things that like as an object remind them of their their favorite artist or whatever and so uh you know the book is just sort of touting like you know you should still have you know wh- why are people so uh, into spending so much extra money on like a specific tour t-shirt from a specific band to be like oh you know like i was there like i i love this band like that sort of thing right um to hold a piece of the artist <laughs> I, I can tell you like some of my even just very very earliest memories of, of life in general is like hearing the sound coming out of like a speaker or, you know, playing with like a children's keyboard, like that. <laughs> yeah, speaking that's of cool. keyboard, so did you play any instruments growing up? I did. I did. So um, it, that was actually sort of even bigger than the voice thing for me um, from an education standpoint. Um, because, well, anyway, I'll start from the bit beginning long story short uh, i did play classical piano growing up okay. um so i did the sort of standard royal conservatory kind of every grade sort of thing and uh basically finished that so t- did 12 years of that and finished uh, at the end of high school and so really only after that was i um more in the mindset of like trying to create my own music i, I did try as a kid and like i could just never you know i tried to write this is what i'm saying like maybe 10 or 11 years old where, you know, I liked singing and I sang in some choirs as well, but I never really had like the strong, like lead voice. It was more just like soft for the background, which thank God I found electronic music when I grew up and right there. But yeah, but before that, like I just, I remember trying to like write songs with like a chorus and a verse and that kind of thing. And I could never, it didn't work. And uh, that sort of made sense to me as I reflected on it uh, more as an adult of like why I was sort of more interested in kind of, um, unusual um styles of music or you know that that kind of thing and so i i just also appreciate that when i discovered drum and bass it, it also lended itself well to like you know sometimes i don't really have like a hook or standard kind of song progression kind of thing so in any case yeah i actually so so once i finished with the conservatory and stuff and was trying to uh, make my own music i always thought i'd be a, a producer actually and would always mess around with like you know making kind of really bad beats like hip-hop beats like things like that um and i really thought that that would be my route and so what happened was uh i started putting up uh, some clips of me just super lame productions and i also had like this uh four track looping station and so i'd plug my keyboard in and i would put snippets of them on soundcloud and some of them had just like a snippet or two of my voice because again like i didn't really know how to write a song didn't have the strongest voice so i'd really just kind of use my voice as like a sonic element put up on soundcloud this like 10 years ago and uh more and more people were starting to ask me if i could like put my voice on more things and so just as a you know long story short following the the demand is kind of like getting more into to vocal projects and then that's what really started my journey of like developing uh my voice and songwriting capability and you know still to this day so definitely have a long way to go um still don't really have the strongest voice took some vocal lessons here and there but um so here let's let's back to it's funny you're touching on a point that i actually want to talk about um just for a second but let's let's i just want to move back a little bit about what time period was it that you discovered like down tempo and trip hop and stuff probably like 2007 um, oh, so, so like long, to, long after the the actual trip hop boom, that was like preceding. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like ten years before that. 
So you got into that kind of late. So then, okay, so about when did you discover drum and bass and how did that happen? So it was sort of a few years after I was listening to, to down tempo stuff. I did hear drum and bass once. My friend played me a song when I was like 15 and I didn't get it. I, it was like too intense for me at that time. Cause right. mind you, I was like super into like chilled hip hop and I was like, whoa, this is, this is really fast and intense. <laughs> so, uh, when I discovered it again later, yeah, I was, you know, I, I can tell you. So the, the first drum and bass songs I ended up kind of hearing were, that I really fell in love with was Adam F circles. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. I was like, Oh my God. That, you know, it's funny, it, that tune, it. you can still play that right now, and that yeah. tune still sounds completely new. It's it's so weird how that, that tune, I think, almost, I would actually argue, that might be the greatest drum bass tune ever made. Like, it, it might be. It's in the it's in the discussion at the very it's least. It's in the, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I get, I'm actually, I have goosebumps just thinking about that song. Yeah, that tune is a gateway for a lot of people. So that's such a good word, gateway, because that that exactly exactly right. Like it it led me to Bookum, it led me to uh, like early John B stuff. So that was also what oh, really yeah. really got me into the like hearing those uh the records with like the the organic drums and and that sort of thing. I was like, oh my god, this is the fusion of everything I've ever loved about different kinds of music. Um, well, do you uh, do you remember what your Maybe not your first drum and bass event was, but the the earliest one that you remember. So I've I've thought about this over time because I'm like, you know what? Someone's gonna ask me this one day and try to remember. So so my memories <laughs> are are a little bit vague because I remember he, seeing drum and like hearing drum and bass at side stages of. I would sometimes go to events, sometimes by myself. Like, oh, this show sounds interesting or whatever, and and knowing that you know a lot of the music communities in Toronto are very kind of, you know, welcoming. Like, even if you go alone, you don't, you just, you feel like you're part of something anyway, you know, um, feel comfortable. At least when I, when I remember like, going to drum and bass shows, I was like, oh man, I finally feel comfortable here. Like I can wear running shoes. I can wear my backpack. It's not like, you know, a lot of the sort of top 40 clubs or clubbing that <laughs> young folks right. do nowadays. But um, yeah, so first it was sort of outside stages of kind of like side, tra <coughs> side trans parties and uh but uh but yeah i can't i can't remember the first like honestly it might have been lush and like <laughs> you know uh at coda i remember or i mean at, when i was when i first went there and it was still called annex rec room but i remember going to a lot of my early shows there and uh just a lot of locals and i, I honestly can't remember the first headliner i'd seen was, uh, what was your first experience laying down vocals for drum and bass and how did that even come about Great question. You, you're a, you're a great interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> Flattery will get you nowhere. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So kind of coming back to the, uh, whole, the whole evolution on sort of SoundCloud when I was putting up, you know, very short snippets of me trying things on my loop station and, and putting my voice on it, uh, getting those online. That was when I was starting to get sort of requests for like, Hey, know have this tune would you like to try vocal for it um and so that was you know the first couple tracks were i had very very minimal vocals on them like when i listen back to them now i'm like oh man i, I literally sang like four or five words on that and, and at that time like that was sort of also the style of, of music that i liked per se like i hadn't heard a lot of vocal drum and bass maybe and i wasn't a really very a good songwriter so i was literally starting from very minimal vocals 
um, you know, and as time went on, uh, start to do more and more projects or, you know, as I released music, other producers would have, you know, discovered me through that, you know, previous release and, and therefore asked me to, to do another project. So, um, it definitely started picking up, um, really just a few years ago, um, my vocal engineer and partner, you know, uh, Tira Kahoot, he started encouraging me to reach out to sort of like, you know, big producers that I wanted to work with. The first people he told me to reach out to, because he knew I loved um, Mephius. Mm-hmm. He's like, why don't, you, why don't you just reach out to him? I'm like, no, I can't. I can't possibly. Yeah. Like, I'm not at a level work. You know what I mean? Um, and the same thing with like Eni. Like, I've always really wanted to work with Eni, and I like, didn't really think I could could reach out. And, you know, so so I started reaching out myself to a lot of producers. And, and obviously, you know, out of, you know, 100 people that you reach out to, maybe only a handful will get back to you. But you have to kind of throw all the darts at the dartboard sort of sort oh, of thing. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> um, you know, funny, touching on uh, this idea that you don't have the strongest lead voice. The the tune that you and I did a couple of years back, I remember hearing, I was like, I wanted I, I wanted you to specifically to, like, push your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, like outside That's your right. comfort you zone. Did say that to me. Yeah, and I and I was like, I, she's got something in there. I know she does, and oh, it ended up working out great. You know, strangely enough, um, the uh, the tune in the beginning didn't sell great, but it's kind of taken on this life of its own. I talked to a lot of people that actually know that tune pretty well, and actually, your oh, hook is like a massive part of it. So, um, you know what? I um because this rarely, I think this maybe was the first time and only time this has ever happened to me, but. I was watching somebody do like, you know, a live video stream of them DJing. That song was in her mix and she started, like I could hear, I could see her like mouthing along the words. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God, this has never, this is like my dream. Like I want to, I do want to be able to write things that people like can sing along to or or speak along to, you know what I mean? Like, and that was such a dream. So that was, yeah, that was our tune, man. Yeah, that one, that's, it's still like my signature tune. So getting back on track. So you've got uh, a couple of, uh, of things that have just dropped and are going to be dropping soon. So tell us about the EP that just came out on Inner City Dance, please. Yes, sure. I'm super, super excited about that. And, and thank you too for all of your, um, feedback and support on that it's it's definitely one that's you know some some tunes or some projects come together quickly and some sort of manifest and evolve over a longer period of time and this is one that's it was sort of a big project over a long period of time and so it'll always hold sort of a, a special place in my heart um anyway uh <laughs> going down a philosophical tangent there um the ep is called five hour tea lights ep um it is two tracks and two remixes um the the two tracks were produced by trading fours so trading fours is a toronto duo um duane pompey dequan and jonathan right now and uh it's funny i'll I'll tell you the story of how i met duane later because that's a that's a good one too but um so that's our sort of first release project together and we've known each other for a long time um and also our first release on inner city dance so you know that's that's been really surreal for me because as soon as i discovered drum and bass and you know came to learn about inner city dance and lush and marcus visionary and i just you know you know call them my hometown heroes because because they are and they've done so much for for music um in toronto and canada and so to be on uh their Toronto label, Inner City Dance. It's been kind of a big, big goal of mine and big dream for many years. So uh, it finally happened. (laughs) 
Um, and uh, it's super exciting to the two remixes. So one of them is from Gremlins and Jesta, and that one was super surreal for me too because I've you know followed Gremlins for the long longest time too, both of them, and and the other one is by Workflow. So um, definitely kind of a lot of Toronto people coming together for this one. Um, never been on a a project like that uh, really, and um, yeah, it's a, I guess the the only other thing I can say really is. It's. I would say it's a little bit more chilled, um, and I like that it's brought a little bit more of the um, my sort of hip hop influence as well. Um, I, I, so I, I met Dwayne through the Toronto T. Wire Hip Hop Forum uh, back when I was 15. When I was, you know, telling you that I was sort of making friends online, he was like one of my first uh, true friends that uh, you know made online. Ended up meeting in person at a at, the, at a Roots show stayed in touch uh, he lived pretty far away and later like years later kind of moved to toronto and that's when we uh after many years of being sort of you know friends and online friends um only many years later did we start working on on some music together so uh yeah it's our it's our first release so it's kind of cool that you never you never know like as you were saying uh before with you know some friends you have in the music community that you talk to on a regular basis but you might have never even you know met in person or you know I, I just think it's so beautiful that we can do that nowadays with the internet and then you have a tune which is real exciting coming out on ram as well that's right that's right uh first release on ram also super super surreal um yeah, it's uh, it's funny because sometimes it can go a long period of time without having any releases, and then other times uh, a few of them kind of line up together. So it's one of those. I- I'm sure you get this too, where whenever you're releasing music and it's kind of coming to the public, and you know, it's a lot of different emotions happening at once. So you're I- just like people are gonna hate this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so super exciting. So I hope you. Uh, so who's the producer? The, the producer for this particular tune on Ram is. So the producer for this one is ALB. And that's his, and, and this is his debut on RAM, correct? It is. It is. It's a two-track uh, EP. So the one that we, we've done together uh, is called The One. And the second track on there is called Blame. <laughs> that drops March 6th. So that'll be out by the time this airs. Um, and so, and then finally, the last thing to talk about, I guess, is uh, you've got a, a mix with Tier Kahoot that uh, just came out last month, correct? That's right. Yeah. So tell me about that whole thing, the entering the live forum, because you weren't really doing live. Like, I mean, I bugged you for about for a long time. You're like, yeah, maybe it'll happen sometime, well, yeah. someday, <laughs> whatever. And then it finally started to materialize. So how did that like yeah. sort of metamorphosize? Oh, thanks for, yeah, man. You, you, I just appreciate you saying that because you've definitely, uh, you know, I've, I've known you for, I guess, uh, a couple years now at least, and you've definitely seen uh you know certain transitional moments for me but that's that's definitely a really really big one um you know as as i've said you know i've you know been singing in choirs my whole life and doing projects for many years in the studio but singing live or rather singing in front of other people at all like even even just one or two people is it's 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 even it's just more physical than it is psychological like even if i gain the the nerve to to sing my whole body just like starts to shake and then it like shakes my voice too um so that's that's what was sort of happening before i really kind (laughs) of dug into like okay how can i fix this because ultimately i do want to perform like really love performing like as a kid like when when i was a kid i had no problem singing dancing in front of people that whole thing but uh definitely over the years it's become one of those things where like 
man, like I really love singing. Why can't I, why am I so damn nervous and <laughs> in front of other people? And, you know, we can probably have a whole other, let's, let's do that in the next episode of <laughs> a whole conversation about the craft that, of but, performing. Yeah. It's, it's, oh my gosh, it's interesting. I know. You know, getting over performance anxiety. Actually, somebody recommended a book to me, um, and that ended up helping quite a bit. Uh, the book is called Choke, and it just looks at performance anxiety across a number of fields and how it's all related, like sports anxiety, sexual, like uh, business presentations, like all that sort of thing is kind of connected to. Um, I'll have to this. check that out. I have quite a bit of like social anxiety and, oh, and yeah. performing anxiety, especially in front of like small crowds. Big crowds, I have no problem with. It's kind of anonymous, you know, because there's so many people. But when there's only like a handful of people or we're, you know, if we're at baseline and it's not super mobbed, it's like, oh boy, small crowd. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? You know, <laughs> I want to hide. Totally. So, yeah, I'll have to check that so book I, out. I definitely still have a a, a little bit of that, um, more so than anything. Like finally, once I kind of just tried to break through it more seriously and uh, performed a couple of times or, you know, like on sort of live streams or like in-person shows. Um, but uh, every time I do that, you, you know, it really does come down to experience. Like every time I do perform, I, I feel myself getting a little bit better. Um, at the same time, I just see how much farther I have to go, but you know, I can't, I also can't let that stop me. Like I, the only way to kind of get around it is to just keep putting in the, the work and the hours and, uh, and the practice and that sort of thing. And, um, um, you know, it's funny you, on you, that. Yeah. <laughs> you saying the, uh, you know, the, the, the performance anxiety and, uh, and it comes with experience and that's totally true. And it's funny. You, you also, this is a, a huge element of you have to fake it till you make it and yeah. crowds, especially the bigger they are, um, crowds kind of need to be told what to do. Uh, in a way they need to kind of be coached and, 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 uh, prodded and, uh, encouraged and, and fought, you know, and pet almost, you know what I mean? And it, which brings me to my, my next point on that, on this mix, you don't just sing like a lot of vocalists right now who are, um, in sort of prominent positions and are becoming, uh, more in demand, uh, when they perform, it's, it's mostly singing, but on this mix, you actually are kind of, you're emceeing like half the time. And it's not a super vocally heavy release, but I was, I remember I was like, Oh, Hey, she's got some rhymes. And that was like surprising to me. It, you, you have, uh, an extra weapon in your arsenal. And so tell me about that little aspect of performing. Um, it's, it's definitely something that I've, I've dreamed about doing for, for years. Um, and that I'm only really just starting to, you know, apply myself i guess more now um i have this sort of joke with tear as well that like i i am like or, or when i was younger i was like man i want to be like a really sick female rapper um you know back before way before i discovered drum and bass and i was like really into the underground hip-hop i was very into like bahamadia and like just all the i, I just really wanted to be uh I, I thought i could be an MC, and then sort of the same thing like i tried to write you know full-on rap tunes and and i couldn't really um I also for a few years was really into writing spoken word poetry and actually like in high school <laughs> performed at like the remembrance day assembly and <laughs> like the woman in leadership assembly, just to, like flex my, my spoken word. Um, and then, so you can imagine like later when I did discover drum and bass and, you know, heard amazing vocal tunes, but also like amazing and seeing, and then in, in, you know, more rare cases like both. Um, I was like, Oh my God, this, this is it. This is what like, you know, I feel sort of at home here. And, uh, 
you know, there's, there's just so many amazing MCs though. And I'm just always so, uh, in awe of, you know, MCs during shows and, and the improvisational element and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm definitely trying more of that now because I do have a, a little bit of it in me from when I was younger, but a lot more to, to really develop if I want to get into it. And so that, that first mix with tear, it was like our first sort of debut, you know, 30 minute mix vocals and vibes, um, had some of my originals in there. like, and I sang over the instrumentals and then, you know, a little bit of improvisational singing here and there, but then same thing with, with MCing. So yeah, spoken word aspect that you were talking about actually shines through quite a bit. Um, I noticed because you, uh, I think it's because you sing, you, there's a singers have a particular confidence in, uh, allowing the words that they sing to have space. Um, so they're not uncomfortable with being silent for periods where a lot of MCs are. And, uh, so when you're actually rhyming on the on the mix, I notice that you are not afraid to give the word some space. And so it actually feels like kind of a, a strange hybrid of, of spoken word and rap. And it works perfectly in that like side of that that weird drum and bass cocktail that we've kind of yes. formulated over the years. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? That. It's like it wouldn't really ne- necessarily work in any other forum. It, but it works like perfectly in this. It's it's hard to explain to people that don't yeah. I don't know. But all right, well look, That's I know you gotta really go. <laughs> You, I know you've got to run, uh, you're pressed for time here, so I will let you go. Um, but, uh, I thank you for your time and, uh, we will definitely talk again soon. I'll, I'll probably try another one of these talks with you, uh, towards the end of the year so we can play a little catch up and see how our summers went. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And I just, honestly, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I know that, um, you know, you've, you've been doing this for, has it been like a year now? Yeah, a little over uh, about a year and three months, I think. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, and I just, I just think it's so cool what you're doing. You've had so many amazing people on the show, and I, I just, I really like that you've, you're, you're putting a focus on, um, you know, just more of the vocal side of of drum and bass and music. And uh, just thanks so much for the opportunity to chat. It's always a pleasure talking to you and laughing with you. So uh, you know, good luck on uh, the next few months of all of your music projects and stuff. And yeah. And the People will, and the people will hear about our uh, collaboration soon. I, I have a feeling right. so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, uh, I, I appreciate your time so much, and but yeah, we'll definitely talk soon. All right. Of course, this is fun. Thank you so much. Have, hope you have a good rest of the weekend, and let me know if you need anything else from me. All right. Awesome. I'll talk to you later. Sweet. Okay. Man. Bye. So that was our talk with Anastasia. And this is the title track from the EP, Five Hour Tea Lights, from Trading Fours. And it features Anastasia on vocals. Also includes a remix by Jesta and Gremlins and Workflow. But the original, this is my jam right here. So listen close, everybody. This is the vocal.
Yeah, you know, I love a good bootleg. And this one is from Stormzy. Bootleg by Dublick and Luke Piers. And it is the Vossi Bob. Now, I love the original. But uh, this bootleg puts me in a happy place. So listen close, everybody. This is the vocal. Cool London family, stand up.
So we had Diligent Fingers on here as a guest a couple of episodes ago, and he was talking in depth about his mental health experiences. And this track, entitled Cabin Fever, references those experiences directly. And this is a remix by Channel. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But I'm loving this one, so listen close, everybody. This is the vocal. Easy. Sometimes I feel like I'll always suffer from cabin fever. Within these four walls, trying to break out instead I vanish into the ether. Within these four walls, I want to leave but still I stay and dig a little deeper. Within these four walls, to understand I have to break it down by every feature. Within these four walls, I remember I was taught to never show a sign of any weakness. Don't let them see that your spirit is beating Create a mask and grab a lap even at its cheapest Don't let them see that you're feeling defeated The amazing maze of the mind, the unseeable demon I feel his eyes on my back, sense to corrupt every feeling I'm second guessing every word and every move that I make Still to say the first cut is the deepest pain Hidden behind an acronym Four letters that slightly describe the trap I'm in Yeah, for 20 years I've been battling Hoping that I'm back to win but feeling I should pack it in I mean to truly give up on the life that I was gifted Even though the conception is kinda twisted A mistake, I wasn't supposed to be here And that's the truth regardless of how you gist it <laughs> And what a truth to be left with Paying for the sins of my father is what I'm blessed with The thought of you filled me with hate for so long Each day I never come home with the same scars I left with Fighting my own mind, I won't do what it's requesting I take four pills every night just to suppress shit But then I'm trapped within a scene that leaves me breathless Something so horrific that I wake up with a death wish Yeah, so I lock myself away Music was the outlet that would help me keep the faith Even though it was misplaced, I tried to keep the pace Until the mirror shattered, scaring tears across my face In this maze I'm truly lost, my mind is playing tricks on me Making me question all the shit I see Since the day I found you both, you took a piece of me And now you haunt me in my vivid dreams I'm scared to go to sleep, a product of the PTSD Insomnia will never make it easy to grieve Sat in the darkness screaming that these voices speaking to me They keep on telling me a blade will make it easy to leave this cold world I'm crying out for help but I don't want people to see A broken soul is just a shadow of the man I used to be Agrophobic, aggressive, depressed with psychosis It's a lot for one person to have and trying to focus Right now, I could be sitting within a crowd and still feel so fucking lonely and isolated Finding it hard to breathe, it stopped me doing all the things that I love Instead anxiety has got me hyperventilating and if I really could, I'd cut the traits and flaws right out of me Sick of hearing these demons shout at me Seeping in my veins, so many seeds have doubted me I fucking hate this shit, feeling like God has just walked out on me But I'm trying, believe me, I'm fucking trying I'm desperate, even though deep inside my soul is dying I won't let my depression define me I'll keep on fighting, I won't let my anxiety guide me into the fire, yeah I'm trying, believe me, I'm fucking trying, I'm desperate Even though deep inside my soul is dying I won't let this psychosis define me I'll keep on fighting within these four walls
Yeah, so once again, that was Diligent Fingers with Cabin Fever, the channel remix. And up next, we got another remix that was highly anticipated and has been blowing up the dances. This is London Grammar's If You Wait, remixed by the one and only, the godlike Caliber. And the vocal on this one is always gives me goosebumps no matter how many times I hear it. And I think that you will feel the same if the piano itself is not enough to move you. That vocal is going to make you feel a certain way. Good people, this is the vocal.
So as I am so fond of saying here on the vocal, I love a good bootleg. And this is Gallant Sharpest Edges, the Visages bootleg. And this one gives me kind of saddle vibes. Loving this. Taking it deep this episode. This episode of The Vocal.
So you heard Anastasia talk about this release. It is called The One by ALB. And it is out now on Ram Records. Super exciting. Big up to my friend Anastasia. Here we go. This is The Vocal. Listen close.
before we get into the interview with Dynamite, we're going to hear Railing and Brown Paper Bag, the full vocal mix. And then right into the talk with Dynamite himself before the last track of the episode by Villain McLeod, Fear Bites VIP featuring Rhea and Dynamite. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been The Vocal. We will see you next time. Yes, something of a different pace Fresh, it's a life you've ever made pace Now, I believe the time is right How? Stepping from the left to the right So get ready for the rhythm in check Direct, believe me you ain't heard nothing yet I will, volunteer my lyrical skill Until the score reaches 15 mil Go deep, right into the middle of the beat It stays sweet, in every way Seven days a week, on time Give it to you Line by line, the source is the power of the force in the prime. It's new structure of the sour unveiling. But points around the world are still keep on sailing. Panic, some get confused again. Shake, they feel static. Built up by the dogs and the brain, I can't have it. I need true spirit representers, a skill ever ready, strong team of inventors, and I got that. That's why my beats sound so pure. This is the format, something you never heard before. You can hold on when the beat gets too strong And you feel that you need help to move along Do you think that you can hang tough When the rhythm gets rough And the DJ says I think you've had enough Do you think that you can digest When I start to digress Better get yourself a lyric groove vest Do you think that you can compete When you hit the fat beat You need stamina like an athlete Unique Continue the future technique to full heat Let the microphone burn when I speak Alright Now we're getting into this sound Pick it up, shake it up, turn it upside down of brown paper sounds that we bring are of a different nature rhythms get greater and the rhythms they get greater yes another rougher tough form for the chaser new configuration new riff and new structure built on the frame that'll hold and won't puncture tight we wrap it up it's wrapped tightly it lives the bass is the heartbeat that it gives when we apply the brakes there'll be no skits just more elements to continue as we climb dimensions and the measurements and the evidence you will find change and rearrange it so it's regularly updated it's from every angle so it's spent the unexpected represent the fusion of the mind that stay connected the star that is presented the size of the mind that's been indented the liberate the star we give you so that means it meant it in your direction it's the bearing that we aim to sense it instead of waiting for a star I better we Invent it and let you get your money's worth before you've even sent it. Make it bigger for, bigger for the whole nation. 
as many combinations No matter which way that you turn, you reach the same destination The fullness of the spectrum, 360 keep it circling Deep inside the flow is where it's working it Underneath submerging it Time to make it go deeper Way past the point that blows holes in your speaker Under and over to get over and under First you get the lightning and then you get the thunder The sound is the music and the music is the feature Step to the rhythm made out of brown paper Sounds that we bring are of a different nature Rhythms get greater and the rhythms they get greater Yes, another of a tough form for the chaser New configuration, new rip and new structure Belts on the frame that don't hold that won't puncture Tight, we wrap it up, it's wrapped tightly Coinciding nicely with the big news that you uh, dropped with DRS, that you are releasing an album together in hospital. And I normally get into the, uh, you know, the backstory of who I'm interviewing and everything, but I want to talk about this first. So kind of tell me how that project sort of fell together. Um, well, I've been a fan of DRS since his hip hop days, since his broken English days. Um, and we, we see each other on the circuit from time to time at shows. And uh, we always just, we always just talked about working together, but it was always, it was always kind of just backstage conversation. And we both meant it, but we didn't actually do anything about it. So it was just one of these things like, yeah, 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 we should do a track. Yeah, we should do a track. And then I, it was actually it was a, I remember it really clearly. It was in Poland, a festival called Audio River. And I, I was either about to go on or I'd just gone on. And he was backstage again. And I was like, right, <laughs> we need to do this. We need to do this thing. I'm going to get some beats. So I, I tracked down some beats straight away, sent them across. So we recorded really fast. I think like three tracks really, really quickly. And then they sounded really good, humbly speaking. Um, and then we, I think we, it started to, to become real, started to become a thing. It started to make sense. It started to feel like a project. 
So then we was just on the beat hunt. I was chasing down producers. He was chasing down producers. And yeah, it grew, it grew from there. And now we've got a, a completed album. So I'm very happy about it. So from those first three tracks until the end of the recording of the album, about how long did that take? I guess yeah, definitely a year, if not more. Yeah, pretty standard. Was, okay. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. <clears throat> it wasn't a slow process. It was. It wasn't difficult to do. It was just the fact that I'm away, he's away, and then we're waiting for beats from somebody, and then he's waiting for my verse, or I'm waiting for his verse to finish the track. So you know, I reckon if we could have, if we could have just gone in the studio, we could have done it in two weeks, maybe even a week. <laughs> to be honest with you but um that's okay it took as long as it took and it, everything's about timing so you had not worked together before this no never because i was looking on discogs i was like have they worked together i, I didn't think so no okay. no this is this is the first time that's why it's super fresh it's fresh for us it's fresh for listeners it's, it's fresh for the producers we're working with it's fresh for everybody which is um you know a nice feeling i don't uh i don't try to pretend that i'm a journalist when i do this show um and i have not been coy in that i'm a bit of a fanboy and that's what kind of what drives my motivation for this show and so i was like oh this is exciting but when it comes to collaborations and stuff like that are people proposing these kinds of scenarios to you often or um sometimes yeah it's, it's, that's fair sometimes yeah, like Cleveland Watkiss, I think I've had a conversation with Navigator. We spoke about doing something over the years. Uh, Evil B always says he wants to do something. So yeah, these conversations do get had, and and it's it's not like a it's not a purposeful. Oh, I'm going to avoid that collaboration. It's it's you know it's all with goodwill and good intention, but sometimes you just don't get around to it. And the DRS thing, it was a conversation that we'd had so many times that. It was like, okay, enough is enough. You know, either we're going to do it or we're not. So it was, it was, it was just right. It just, it just felt right. I think, you know, without getting all cosmic and the planets aligning and whatnot, I just, I just think it was the, the right collaboration at the right time and it turned into the right project. We're putting it out on a great label. Uh, the music sounding, you know, great in my humble opinion. So I think this is, yeah, I'm very happy that it's, it's unfolded this way. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to put a pin on that. We're going to come back to it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> sure. I do. I want to go back. To, I want to go back now. <clears throat> it's a little dynamite. Um, oh, the baby dynamite. Yeah, it's a little I, hand grenade. <laughs> For you, is there a, a particular memory that uh, that you have of the first time that you kind of discovered music that was sort of your? You felt like it was your own. It wasn't. It didn't come from your parents. It didn't come from siblings or cousins. It was something you stumbled on, and you're like, oh, this is for me. Do you have any kind of clear recollection of that? I do, actually. I, I can remember the exact moment. It was a cassette tape that I got from a friend of mine's brother. We used to get tapes from London because I didn't live in London at the time. And uh, it was it was, it was was uh, a guy called Joe Voodoo Ray. I don't know if you know that song. Uh, and it was when I heard that, like something clicked inside of me because it was electronic music, but it had like bass line. And it just sounded futuristic, but it was energetic. And that was like, what, you know, what is this? I'm, I want to know more about this music. This, this something is happening here. So yeah, that, that was a pivotal moment for me. And how old were you at the time? Um, I was probably 16, 15, 16 or 17, around, around that age. And what had you been listening to before that? Uh, hip hop and, and reggae. So it was like Public Enemy, Big Daddy Kane, UK hip hop, people like London Posse and Hijack. And then like Shabaranks and Ninja Man and Soul. My parents played a lot of Soul and, and Bob Marley and Jimmy Cliff and that kind of thing. So I had a nice kind of soulful upbringing 
but then I, the electronic music I got through through my friends. And did you have just, a you know, youth culture? <clears throat> did you have like a musical household growing up? My dad loved vinyl, so he was he was a vinyl player. So he was always polishing vinyl and you know turning it over and being very uh, protective if I if I even touched the stereo. So yeah. You know, I knew kids that I knew kids whose parents didn't even have a stereo, and it blew my mind. Like, I, it was the strangest <laughs> thing to me. Like, no music, or those people that say that they uh, they like listening to whatever's on the radio. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that. What do you? What yeah, do you I don't trust those people. When people <laughs> say you like music. Say, yeah, I like, I like anything. I can listen to anything. I, I don't trust you. It's like food. You can't just eat anything. You have to have favorites. It's yeah. okay to have favorites. It's important. So, at what point did you decide that picking up a microphone was something that you wanted to do? I was I was I was kind of forced into it to be honest with you because I wanted to be a DJ but um I couldn't couldn't afford the turntables um uh, that's exactly and, my reasoning too yeah and my friend uh, my friend he 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 had a bit more money uh, so he managed to get some and so I used to go around to his house and be like let me mix let me mix and he's like no I'm the DJ I do the mix and you go on the mic I said I don't want to go on the mic I want to go on the decks so we we do you know back in those days it was about making cassettes and then listening back to yourself for how good or bad you sound. And so we did a tape where he was DJing and I was on the mic and then we gave it to a few friends and they copied it and passed it on. And then I'll see people say, Oh, I heard your tape. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was good. When are you going to do another one? When are you going to do another one? I didn't know you could MC. I didn't know you could MC. And I was like, well, I didn't know I could MC either, but apparently, <laughs> apparently people want to hear more. So, um, I started writing rhymes and, and caring about what I did on the microphone and giving up my dreams to be a DJ. Um, yeah, it was, it was organic. So when you first, uh, when you first started MCing, you were how old? About? Uh, 21. Okay. And had drum and bass started to pop off then? Yes. So yes, it was just, it was just leaning. It was just coming out of the fringes of hardcore. Now, were you doing drum and bass first or were you doing hip hop first? Uh, I was listening to hip hop. I wasn't, I wasn't MCing to hip hop. The first time I ever did an MC tape, it was to jungle music, jungle mm. bass, you know, it's all the same thing. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just trying to use the descriptive terms of, of that timeline. You know, obviously the generations of drum and bass heads know you best, uh, for your collaboration with Ronnie Size and Represent. So them being a Bristol crew, how did all of that happen to come together? Um, well, I lived in, uh, at that time I was living in a place called Gloucester, which is 30 miles away from Bristol. Because I'd done this tape, like I mentioned before, um, it had, other people had heard it and other DJs had heard it and they wanted to work with me. There was a guy called, oh, Crazy D. Yeah. Crazy D has passed away now, unfortunately. And he, he wanted to work with me. So I went to his house to do a tape and then he called me and said, I've, I've got a show. It was a place called Didcot. You know, it was the first time I ever emceed in an actual club in front of real people. So I went to do, we played really early, like 10 to 11 or something stupid, maybe from 9 to 10, I can't remember. And then the next DJ on was a guy called Ronnie Size, and the DJ that was a guy called uh, Cross, and the DJ after that was a guy called Sub. And I was the only MC there. So after I finished with Crazy D, I said, you know, shall I stay on the mic or do you want me to get off and you guys do things? They were like, no, 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 you stay on, you stay on, no, stay on, stay on. So I ended up emceeing the whole night, went home, didn't think about it. And then, I don't know, about six weeks later, I got a call. like, oh, that Ronnie Science guy from that night, he, he wants to meet you. He's been trying to get, get your number. He's trying to get hold of you. So I went to Bristol to meet him. And um, he was like, yeah, that night was recorded. Again, the power of the cassette. I can't um, underestimate how powerful these things were. 
um, yeah, I really like, uh, you know, what you're doing on the mic. I like the way you sound. Um, I'm, I'm a producer and a DJ. You know, we got a label. We're really trying to start a movement. You know, we're really into the sound and we need a voice. Why don't you come and do some shows with us? Um, and that's how it started. That's how we met. Then I started working with Ronnie and Chris and Sav and Dai. And we just developed, um, a, a, a musical relationship and, and a personal friendship as well. One that still lasted today. Now, when you're talking about new forms, um, the thing that strikes me about new forms and you is that you're only on the intro track. And I'm wondering <laughs> if when all of this was coming together, if to you it just seemed like, all right, I'm going to be on a track. Or it's one of those things where it seems to me like I, I guess I would figure that the MC would want to be on a little bit more than just one, especially because Annalie was on multiple tracks. Did that was that something that crossed your mind, or were you, did you even care at that point? You're like, I'm on a track. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't care at that point. I was very happy to be on on one track. You know, this is this is very early in my career, so I wasn't thinking I need more tracks um, <laughs> because um, you know, in the mode was enabled me to be on more tracks. And I think I think we probably did record more tracks for new forms, but then the final track listing only had only had railing on it. Uh, right. And it was, you know, it was, it started the album off. So I felt very privileged to kind of be the intro to the album as well. And yeah, that's true. It's, it's only one track. Yeah. It's only, it was, yeah. <laughs> I used to play that track a lot <laughs> really because at the time, you know, at that time, so the MCs that we were hearing all the time were Fearless and GQ. So when I heard you, I was like, this is different. This is really different. And I was not MCing yet at the time, uh, but it appealed to me more. And I've, I've said this to Conrad and I've said this to DRS. Um, but when British drum and bass MCs had a bit more of a hip hop cadence to them, it immediately connected with me because I grew up on hip hop. So it, it came off super different. Um, when new forms dropped over in England, was it, was it an immediate hit? I don't think it was an immediate. I mean, I'm trying to remember, to be honest with you. I don't think it was an immediate hit. Obviously, when it won the Mercury Prize, then everything went nuts. And, right. You know, the, the media paid attention and the shows were sold out. And yeah, we, the stages got bigger. But before that, we were still, you know, we were still pushing a new sound. We were still the underdogs. It was still an underground music. So, I mean, we knew, we knew it was a quality piece of work and we were all very proud of it. But we were, we were always just thinking about the next, you know, the next recording, the next show the next album, the next idea, the next loop, the next rhyme. So it's, you, we're all very forward-thinking individuals. So I'm, I think it caught up with us. We didn't catch up with it, if you know what I mean. When it came to the live shows that you guys had to play, um, how much rehearsal went into that? Oh, we did a lot. Yeah, it seems like it would be a, a tough thing to, to balance for everybody. We did a lot of rehearsal, a lot of rehearsal for that. So did you have a show basically fully formed before you even took the stage? Um, more or less. I mean, the, the shows got better. We, we cut our teeth on the stage as well. Right. You know, sh show up to show, we, we'd notice where, you know, mistakes were made or, or little spontaneous things happened. And we're like, okay, we should keep that. Um, you know, we went through a few different drummers and we had to adjust it to their particular style and whatnot. Um, but we rehearsed, we sound checked. I mean, it, it was, a, it was a, a very, um, orchestrated show, but a good show. I think we, we gelled very well on stage. There's a lot of different characters and, I was lucky to share the stage with Anna Lee, who's a fantastic vocalist and bags of energy. And I think we, we, we managed to, uh, we managed to capture that in a way that's never been replicated. Yeah. She's my favorite, uh, my favorite singer and drone bass ever. I love her. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah that I, I had a, 
a, uh, a VHS cassette of a show that you guys did, and I want to say it was at Montro. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, Montro on- was, was a good one. That was recorded. I haven't got that, but I remember it was recorded. Yeah, well, that's just it. I can't find it anywhere. I cannot find it anywhere. I, Anli's wearing like this yellow, it almost looks like a wetsuit, like a jumpsuit. <laughs> and I cannot, oh, man, and I think it's at Montro, but I'm not sure. And I can't find it anywhere online. It's the most frustrating thing because the whole show is great. Um, I've seen other shows. You, you probably have the only living copy in existence, and now you've lost it. You, yeah, it's all down to you, bro. Well, what's crazy is um, <laughs> I actually borrowed that VHS, so it's not technically <laughs> mine. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> all right. So in the mode, obviously, you guys switched focus. You were featured more um, at that time. In the mode came out in uh, in about what two thousand something like Ish, that. Two thousand seven right? one, I guess. Yeah, three okay. four years later. So represent, there's kind of like a bit of a represent diaspora, if you will. All of the artists obviously were, uh, had identities of their own and then they came away with our identities, uh, boosted. And I guess after, especially, uh, you know, all the touring that you did, uh, for new forms, I was expecting you to be like, all right, I got a drum and bass album that here it is. And that wasn't what you really did. So explain how you kind of pivoted a little bit because you came out of the represent tornado as a very multifaceted artist and drone bass was not the primary focus of what you were doing. You know, I was always, like I said to you, I, I, I grew up listening to, you know, hip hop and reggae and stuff. And I still had aspirations to make hip hop music and work with hip hop artists. And I still felt like what I was doing was kind of hip hop. In the sense of, you know, I'm, I'm an MC, I'm writing rhymes, I'm just performing them on a different tempo. So when I absolutely, well, not really absolutely represent, but while it was happening, I was, I was messing with other tempos and I was meeting different producers and I was working with skits and I was doing some mid-tempo stuff with zinc. And it, it was exciting to me. It just, it kept challenging me and kept allowing me to, to kind of what I feel was growing as, as an MC and a vocalist. So when I had the chance to do my solo album instead of doing 100% drum and bass, which probably would have been strategically and tactically a, a, a better move to do because I could have just concentrated on the fan base that already loved Represent, I I split it up and you know tried to reach out to a hip hop fan base and a breaks fan base and and do an all encompassing you know room one, room two, room three club night scenario with me working in every room, which is kind of what I was doing anyway. So right. for me, for me, it, it was just natural. I had to follow naturally what I was passionate about. And, and you know, I'm glad I did it like that. Uh, but it was a different, it was a different way to work for sure. How did it affect like the, the music that you would come to do over the next couple of decades? As how do you think that was different than if you had focused on drum bass in the beginning? I'm not sure. I'd like to think that it made me a little bit more versatile. You know, I got to go in the studio with Wookiee and Zinc and Elephant Man and, and people like that. Um, and, you know, working with like high contrast for the first time and other people in drum and bass and Marky and, and trying to sing a little bit more and just, I think, I think it shaped me. It's, it's like traveling, you know, if, if, if drum and bass was one country and I, and I just stayed in it, then sure, I, I would be, I would be fine. But the fact that I got to go to this country, planet breaks and planet hip hop and, and sample their food and their style and their tempos. I think it just made me more of a rounded artist, to be honest. I like to think it did anyway. Now, is there any chance, do you think, that Represent will ever reunite for an, even like a one-off performance? Well, we, we did some shows what, it was a couple of years ago. We did a whole tour. We recorded a whole new album. The, the album's done. It's been done for ages. And what's going on with that? 
Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not, you know, it's it's a complicated game, uh, to be honest with you. And there was um situation where it was going to come out on this label, and then it was another label, and then so I, I don't know. You'd have to talk to Ronnie about that. But trust me, the work the work has been done. The album was was completed, and we were performing brand new tracks. And you know, I was I was pretty amped about it. It'd been a long gap, but people seemed to receive the energy and everything. So it's and frustrating. It, and it was all of you then. Mm-hmm. On the leads on the tracks. I'm on the tracks. Um, yeah. Uh, all of us, but no crest, no sub, no die. <laughs> well, that's not all of you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Sorry. I, 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 I just slipped that in there. But that's because I, I was, I, I actually forgotten. Yeah, no. Uh, crest wanted to do his own thing. Sub was living in Spain at the time. Okay. And die's also doing his own thing. So it was actually right. just the original members was kind of, uh, Cy John, uh, Ronnie, uh, Onnelly, and myself. Okay. And did, was Clive back with you guys as well or no? No, I, God, I haven't seen Clive for years. I'm not sure what he's doing, but I'm friends on Facebook. I mean, he's, he right. seems to be fine. No, the drummer we were using uh, was a Bristol guy, uh, Deshaun, a talented young. Uh, we also had Jay Wilcox, who was um, you know, on tour with Khalees and other people. So we had some different young Bristol energy as well. Um, but no, the only there were only four was uh, Cy John, Ronnie, Onley, and myself. So it, it was a different, it was a different kind of um, represent, I suppose. But it still had. You know those core, the core kind of feeling. So you got to get you got to get Brian to put some pressure on, put some pressure on Ronnie to get that out. I think a lot of people would would really want to hear that. Let's uh, let's talk about how your relationship with Hospital kind of developed. I know that you had mentioned working with High Contrast. Um, it was that kind of the jumping off point. Uh, probably, yeah. I think that was the first official collaboration I ever did with a hospital and a hospital artist, I'm pretty sure. And then I went on to work with uh, Newtown and um, NetSky, supported London Electricity um, with a Dynamite show many, many years ago. Um, for one show or maybe two shows. Um, yeah, I love the hospital guys. You know, they've been they've been around pretty much as long as I have. Um, and they've, they're, they're, you know, hugely spiritually financially invested in this the sound of drum and bass and i know they love it and i know they care about it and they're really into quality control and doing fantastic nights and building the label and having a kind of spread of different styles and artists from all over the world uh, and they're great guys so i'm very happy to work with them in a in a, in a live aspects at the hospitality nights and the festivals that we do all over the world and now to be signed you know with the drs uh, duo to the label is, is just is just perfect so this is your first um, official. Is this your first official release with Hospital? Because I know you've been with them forever, doing hospitality and everything. No, I mean as a feature, like I, you know, I featured on the the, the Next Guy um, album, the Whistle Song that was on Hospital, um, the New Tone album. But this is the first release um, under your under your own name, correct? Under my own name, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like we're in a bit of a I don't want to say a renaissance, but we're in like this a uh, different phase of emceeing when it comes to drum and bass music um emcees are coming out with bodies of work something that we never had in the 90s and early 2000s really um it, a lot of MCs, myself included by the way a lot of emcees are, are very focused on their studio work that's actually my bigger focus is studio rather than live just because i only do this part-time um so it seems to be an interesting time i am noticing however that a lot of the emcees who are breaking through degs aside um, 
a lot of the MCs that are releasing work and bodies of work and stuff like that are older. They've been around a longer time, and I'm not seeing a lot of younger MCs uh, really breaking through. Um, do you think there's a reason for that kind of thing inherently, or is it, I don't know, is it just one of those things because drum and bass has become more niche over the years in a way? Um, I it's mean, a big so question, are, I know. <laughs> Sorry. You no, know, it's fine. I mean, I think there are some young MCs coming through. They just haven't come through to the point yet where they're, they're on your radar. Um, and I think also, you know, the, the use of this country are very much, you know, grime is their sound as well. So it's not like it's every aspiring MC of 16, 17, 18 years old is writing to drum and bass. They're probably listening to Stormzy and writing to that tempo. Right. Um, I know that's quite a sweeping statement. And of course we have, you know, I go out every weekend to thousands of young drum and bass fans and, and they love the music and that's fine. But um, I, I, to a certain extent, yes. But, you know, Dex is, is, is a good example. I know you just say, you know, not counting Dex, but I think he's a great example of the next generation coming through. And there'll be others to follow, for sure. We just don't know who they are yet, but I, I guarantee there's going to be more. Well, I, I bring this up because I talked to Connie Khan uh, a couple of episodes ago. And he, as a side note, he just kind of casually mentioned, and I forget how he got to this, but he mentioned that the older MCs don't really let the younger MCs through. Um, and this is a, a theme that has come up a little bit, not just in MCs, but in drum and bass in general, how the people who have been involved in the culture for a long time are very protective of it. Um, and I'm wondering if you have seen that kind of thing uh, over on your side of the Atlantic, or is there a concerted effort to bring the next generation through? There's not a concerted effort to block the next generation. Like I could never block anybody from performing or getting a show. If you're good, you're good. You're going to come through. You're going to get noticed. You, the promoter's going to want to work with you. You're going to have a fan base. And, you know, the natural order of things is that the young will replace the old. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it works. And we all know that's coming. Um, so no, I, I don't think it's not, it's not a negative thing. I, I think there is a, I mean, I'm struggling now when you said young MCs, I thought, okay, who can I, who can I say who's a promising young MC? I mean, my son's an MC, you know, Muli MC. He's working hard to, to kind of pave his way. And I like what he's doing and I'm, I'm watching him, but, um, I can't really name a lot of young MCs that's coming through. I mean, X-Man does it like order. Next Hype, where he only books younger DJs and younger MCs and MCs that are trying to come up in the game and, you know, make their make their claim. People like Aslan Grimer came through from that avenue as far as I know. So that's good. That's positive. So there's, there's opportunities and there's things happening. But, you know, young DJs as well. I couldn't name that many. You know, we still talk about the same names because... We're still working very hard, you know. We're still passionate in this in this music, and we're still giving it all we've got. And you know, I was just I just been on tour with Ronnie and Bookham and myself. We've just been doing shows, and I'd be embarrassed to to say the combined age on stage <laughs> of that lineup, you know. So I'm not sure, but there, there's definitely no malice in trying to block anything. Oh else. no, I don't. There's, I don't mean there's room in this scene. I don't everybody. mean from a place of malice. I. Yeah. This has come up in a couple of other conversations. Maybe people who have been invested in the music for a long time are potentially, I don't know, suspicious of people coming along and trying to make their music a bigger or different thing because they've seen what people have tried to do in the past. They don't want to lose kind of uh, the authentic control of their music. And I, it's, it strikes me as being that kind of thing, a protectionist thing, not necessarily an exclusionary thing. Um, and so when I talk to people who have been around for a long time, I try to kind of gauge their feeling on that. 
because it seems like it's an unconscious um, phenomenon where sometimes the younger people have a hard time breaking through. It's just a possible, I'm just, I'm just offering a possible scenario of, uh, uh, as to why that might, that might happen. I mean, you can't control the sun. Once, once you, once you contribute, you know, you just have to let it go. Once you make a body of work, you let it go. If somebody want, is influenced by that, but wants to modify it and change it and make their version of it, then, then, then so be it. You know, you can't be a purist and you can't be a control freak. You know, people have to do what they have to do. You know, anyone who comes to this sound with respect is, is obviously warmly welcomed. You know, we respect our sound and what we've, what we've done and what we've tried to create over the years, but you, you, you're, ne you're never going to succeed if you're trying to hold on to something desperately. It's, that's not the way it works. So stepping out of music for a second, um, you uh, did a children's book. You talked about it actually on a, a hospital pod, I think about a year ago. Uh, with Tony. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Tony. Um, yeah. Tell me about tell me about that book. What motivated you um, creating uh, a work of literature for children? Um, yeah, I've always I've always liked to write. You know, I went from writing stories to writing rhymes. That's pretty much how it happened. I don't know. It just it just was an idea I had, and I followed through on it. I saw a photo one day of a of a, of a bird and an elephant. And I, I thought, you know, I wonder, I wonder what kind of conversations they would have if they could speak to each other. And then I, I drafted the scenario that, you know, the elephant was wise and the bird was kind of young and arrogant and hot-headed. And I had all these questions about life in the universe. And then I, I wrote it in, in poetry form. So I said rhyme form and broke it up into 10 conversations and figured that, yeah, this, this, this could be great. I, I wonder if, um, if I put this out, you know, if, if, if a child read this, would it, would it encourage him to be uh, a bit more questionable of life and the world and to be more of a dreamer and believe he can achieve anything or she can achieve anything. So I thought, okay, let's do it. And I did it. <laughs> it's out there. And uh, yeah, every now and again, I'll be in the party and someone will come up and go, oh, I love your you know, book. My son loves your book. And someone came up to me and said, oh, my son was being bullied at school. And the chapter about friendship really helped him understand who his friends are and who his friends aren't. And I was like, damn it, that is such a beautiful thing to say. And it just stopped me in my tracks. I was like, this, I'm so glad I did it. I'm, you know, even if for that one conversation, you know, that is, that is really, really, um, heartfelt for me because it did make a difference and somebody has been impacted by it. So yeah, that's, that, that, that's that really. Now, when you, <clears throat> when you were putting the book together, did you pursue a publishing deal or is it a self-release? Uh, I did pursue a publishing deal and I was, um, I was very intensely rejected. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I said, well, you know, that's okay. It's not going to stop me. I will do it myself. So I, I self published. Um, but I did have actually a publisher reached out from Greece and they want to uh, translate it into Greek and release it in the island of Greece. Oh, so I thought that, that's really cool. The, so that's happening at the moment. The self release route. When uh, you were looking for um, places to actually publish, because you published a physical work, right? But like paper, uh, digital and physical, yes. Right. So when you were um, looking for ways to self-publish, did you find the process to be a bit prohibitive? For I mean, there's a lot of people out there, obviously, that are writing and would like to put things out, um, and I think that they're finding that they have to invest a significant amount of money, obviously, to self-publish. Was it one of those things that was particularly prohibitive, or did you find ways to sort of piecemeal it? Um, well, it, yeah, I mean, I was starting from scratch. I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, thanks to this fantastic age that we live in and the internet and everything, 
Um, I just dug around, dug around, dug around, read forums and reviews. I found a way, you know, if I printed myself, there's also a, a, a place called Create Space that they can do the kind of like a print on demand service for, for bookstores. Actually, that's Ingram Spark. And yeah, so there's ways. There's definitely ways. It is a little bit arduous and it, it took some time and to get it right and use the right company to print it so that the paper feels nice and, you know, the, the, the front cover has a nice kind of grade and a kind of glow to it. So I just do a few test runs and dummy runs on demo books, but then I found a company I like, just took the plunge. I mean, it hasn't set the world on fire. You know, I haven't sold um, gazillion books or anything. And, and obviously that would have been nice, but like I said to you, you know, it's something I wanted to do and it's out there. And when I'm dead and gone, it'll still be out there. And it's, you know, it's, it's just something that I've kind of given to the universe. So are you not planning to do another one? Uh, I've got a movie script that I'd really like to get off the ground. I've had that. <laughs> okay. Written that before. Quite the pivot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote that before I wrote the children's book. Um, so I'm, I'm still really passionate about that. Um, actually, a friend of mine is working. Um, he's still writing for HBO. I just found out. So. I really want to sit down with him and see if I get his opinion. And there's there's some other stuff on my my computer that I've started but haven't actually finished. So we'll see. So, but children's book wise, I have I have yeah you have to pardon me. I have a bit of a an interest in this just because I'm an illustrator on the <coughs> side. So I'm always mm. like I children's books. I, I I go into the bookstores and I read children's books and I look at what's happening with them. So I'm always interested in in that world. And when I see people who are artists in their own right you know, kind of pivoting into the literature space, especially for kids. Uh, it's always really interesting to me. So uh, do you think you'll ever do another children's book or just another book in general? Uh, I, can't, I, can't, I need to revisit. I think I'm two thirds through another children's book, but it's on a full length, a full length style. So that one's underway. That's fine. I haven't visited it for a while. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's, I've got two, one, two. Yeah. Two books and the scripts kind of on the go. But the script's finished. The script's been done for ages. So, yes, I will do something else um, maybe next year. I think this year, this year's all about the album. This year's all about music. This year's all about dynamite. And I think I'll, I'll tweak around in the, in the background while I'm traveling <clears throat> and then um, probably release, probably self-print again, to be honest with you, because now I've done it once. It's not so bad. If Hospital wanted to wade into the publishing waters... That would be a good way to do it. Just saying. Well, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. They've conquered everything else they touch. Why not? I know. it's They're like an unstoppable <laughs> force. <It's, laughs> they are a machine. Do you have your eye on the long game? I mean, you know, you and I are both are both in our 40s now, and and later adulthood is obviously speeding at us a little faster than we'd like. Um, and I think anybody at this age is thinking about what's next. What can I do when I don't maybe have all of my current artistic faculties about me? Um, are there other things that you want to get done before, well, you know, before you're done? Well, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I like to think I've, I've still got a few more laps around the track. I mean, yeah, music is still, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm still incredibly busy with music and it's, it's still my main, my main lane. So. So that I mean, I'm also very interested in wine. I'm also a trained uh, sommelier, so I work as a sommelier in a Michelin-style restaurant in London as and when I can with uh, the work schedule. So that yeah. has um, that has good opportunities for me. I mean, I got married last year, so I have um, um, some stuff happening in 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 Asia as well. So kind of building building some stuff out there. So yeah, there's 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 I'm not I'm not um, particularly fearful about when the record comes to the end. You know, just to the middle. But also, I'm still—I don't know. I don't know if it's a me thing or an MC thing or a 
a human thing, but I, I also feel like my best work is still still ahead of me, even post new forms, post represent, post Mercury, post this, post that. You know, I'm always thinking, okay, you know, this this next song is this is the one. Um, you know, there's so many. I I was talking. Well, I talked to DRS about this, uh, and as well as a number of other MCs. A lot of people are putting out their best work later in life. I mean, if you look at like Black Thought, or if you look at Royce the Five Nine, or a mm. lot of these people are releasing by far their best work, um, better than work that they put out that has been considered landmark status before. And it's they're later in life. I don't know if it's the knowledge and wisdom that comes with adulthood. That comes with living that is fueling that creativity or fueling at least the, uh, the depth of that creativity. But I, I feel like for me personally, my best work is easily ahead of me easily. Yeah. And I, and I think you know, if you didn't think like that, I think it would be quite a tragic, you know, a tragic 24 hours for you every day to walking around knowing that the best is always behind you. So, you know, even if, even if you never, you never actually meet that demand on yourself. You still have that belief and that goal and that aspiration. So, yeah, I feel like the, the best work is still ahead. You know, I'm really happy about this album. I think there's some great stuff on there that <clears throat> I hope people are going to uh, enjoy and, and potentially gravitate to. And, yeah, every, every day is a new opportunity. So I'm willing and, 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 and ready to embrace it. So, so let's switch gears a little bit here. You know, uh, <clears throat> over in Canada here, it's, it's, it's difficult to gauge what the mood is like uh in europe and in england and stuff like that but obviously a lot of tumult uh in england politically um with brexit uh, being uh probably inescapable at this moment um how has that changed things uh in england how has it changed things when it comes to working in europe how do you think it's going to change it well unfortunately um we are not privy to that information um because our government is so shambolic so we know the changes will take place 31st of December 2020. So as from 2021, we will need some kind of paperwork to, to enter uh, European countries and to work in European countries. Uh, we just don't know how easy or difficult or expensive that's going to be. And this has been the case for three years. So it's very frustrating from a selfish point of view, from a business point of view. It's very frustrating. And it's just, it's just brought out, you know, a slightly ugly side of the country, which, um, is never nice to experience. You know, being somebody of, of, you know, mixed heritage and multicultural, um, I've always embraced many cultures and I'm, I'm happy to be European and I'm happy, you know, to, to live alongside people from, from different countries. But you know, some people in this country are, are threatened by that, sadly, and have voted, you know, in a way that, that is, is, is aimed to push certain people aside. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a slight ugliness around, but there's still some many, you know, there's, there's some wonderful people here and it doesn't represent the whole country or the whole attitude. So, without going too political, yeah, it's 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 a. Um, oh, you can get it. Trust me, you can get as political time. as you want. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind. <laughs> I know. I know you're not an, an outwardly political person. It's. I just. Nope. I'm, I'm always curious yeah. to hear what the the mood is like. The mood over here. Well, I'm American. I live in Canada, but I'm American, and the mood in in the states is almost crisis level, especially on both sides of the of the, the equation too. I've noticed they, you know, people who are ardently pro Trump feel like we're in the midst of some sort of revolution or something i'm not really sure it's a it's a very strange time to live in and honestly i i guess i i was really blown away when boris johnson won that election bid i couldn't believe it um i thought i guess i thought more people with common sense would come out but uh sadly sadly, i was mistaken no uh it's it was very tragic i mean you know i'm not a 
I'm not a Boris Johnson fan. I'm not a Boris Johnson voter. I wasn't a, a Brexit voter. I was none of these things. So, but unfortunately, in a, in a you know so-called democracy, you have to abide by that. So, uh, you know, the youth, I think, are, are a lot more the ones that want to participate in democracy and go and vote. They're a lot more intelligent when it comes to these things, but they're still like an old British mind state that um, feels that Boris Johnson was the safest choice and it comes down to people, you know, worry about safety. And, you know, the man's an idiot, but he's leading the country. So, you know, what am I, what am I, what can I do here? Um, I've got to try and, you know, make sure that I can still operate the best way that I can, um, unfortunately. But yeah, it's not, it's not a good time. I mean, it, it's not a good time at all. It's, we have some very peculiar leaders. Uh, being the states and the UK, it is it is almost farcical, um, but we have to tolerate it for a few more years and and hope it doesn't you know implode. Do you think there's a is a room in drum and bass music? Is there room in dance music in general for politics, or is, do you, a lot of people feel like politics should be left out of it? Do you think that's well, the case? You know, the rave has always been about escapism. I think um, you know, kind of you know, leave your troubles at the door. You know, one love. You know, without getting all cheesy, um, I think, I think, yeah, I think there is, but um, uh, I think that I think there has to be done right. I think so. I think there there, there could be, but I, you know, I, w- I wouldn't do a, a political album. I wouldn't do like twelve tracks. I think I don't. Well, maybe you know, maybe that would be actually amazing. People would be like, "Thank God, finally!" <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've been waiting for this for t- over twenty years. But um, I don't know. Like I said, I think I think you know a lot of it is about. It's about just enjoying the moment and uh, and whatnot. So, well, I notice yeah, a lot. It's a, it's a good point. I notice a lot of the pushback that Tony gets when he posts. Uh, he posts things in social media sometimes that are political, and so many people are like, "No, you gotta leave politics out of it. Stick to music." And I feel like uh. I don't know. I feel like that's almost like I, I feel like it's a super condescending thing, um, as if artistry somehow disqualifies one from expressing an opinion. Um, it's very interesting though. I, I guess I never thought I would see that on a, on a large scale. You know, there's a number of people in his comments telling him to shut up, basically. I haven't, I haven't looked and seen that, but, but this is really disappointing to see that. You know, anyone who knows Tony knows he's, uh, he has, a, uh, you know, uh, an opinion, uh, as, as we all do. And he's an intelligent man and he's lived long enough to know what he's talking about. And if the man wants to speak, let him speak. You know, he shouldn't be telling people to shut up. You either say, I agree with you, or I don't agree with you, or great music, or just don't comment at all. But that's the internet for you, I guess. People can do what they want. Um, but no, that's that's fine. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I, I don't mind anybody who wants to be political because, you know, this is real life. I just, uh, I, I tend to leave it outside with, with, with my social media and stuff. I don't, I don't include it. I just feel like this is, you know, this is a musical platform, so I'll keep it musical unless it's something I feel so strongly about that I have to comment. Right. So before uh, before I let you go, besides this album coming out with DRS, um, and that drops, uh, what is it? We have a, I mean, the first single came out, is a teaser single, Fix It All, came out on right. Music, January 31st. So that's the teaser single. The album itself is scheduled for the window between, somewhere between July and September. We don't have oh, an okay, okay. Yet. So the album's coming out roughly summer, fall. Exactly. Okay. So probably more, more fall. So okay. we, we, we finished the album. We're just, we're just finalizing the, the track list at the moment. We've got about 22 tracks. We want to cut it down to like 15. So we're just kind of finalizing the 15. So um, what else do you have on the horizon for 2020 then? 
that uh, it's a lot of touring. Um, still doing stuff with Crafty Cuts. I love working with Crafty. We still do stuff together. Uh, I've been doing some kind of undercover house stuff as well with um, okay. some some producers. But I'm really I'm really kind of putting my energy into this uh, into the two mics um, uh, project, which is the name of the album. I don't know if I said that. Um, I don't even know if I've asked that. <laughs> so yeah, you okay. haven't. So I think <laughs> I should provide it. Yeah, the album's gonna be called Two Mics, uh, which I think is perfect, which sums it up um, entirely. Um, and I really want to, you know, uh, put all my energy into that and performing with the, the, you know, the artists I'm performing with and doing shows with DRS together on the stage. I think that's going to be great. So just, just give everybody a hundred percent, um, and not, you know, spread it around and be over here and over there and just really concentrate on it. Any chance of, uh, you guys coming to North America this year? I would love to. There have been, I haven't received any, uh, any offers at this point, but we haven't put together the, um, you know, the, the, the package yet that we can present to promoters. So we need to, you know, that's something we're doing at the moment once we finalize everything. But uh, I would, I would be very keen to, I would be open to, but I don't have any plans to at the moment. So how do you think it's going to work when you guys play shows? Do you think you guys will simply tag team on sets or will you actually do sort of a PA type thing? Oh yeah, we'll do it. We'll do an album show. That should be interesting. We'll, I don't. I don't think we'll we've do had it. nearly enough of that in drum and bass. People touring yeah, and actually yeah. performing a whole set of their body of work. Yeah, and he's got he's got loads of you know he's got hits outside of you know our projects. Of course, you know I've got I've got my um you know my catalog as well, so we can go into our own kind of solo sections, the solo sections, and then we can do the the album tracks together. Boom, boom, bam! Potentially, it'll work really, really well. But underline potentially. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, you're like we'll, fingers we'll, crossed we'll rehearse. Yeah. <laughs> we'll rehearse you know we'll take it very seriously he's a seasoned professional as am i like to think so you know we wouldn't we wouldn't step on stage if we didn't know what we were going to do so we'll, we'll we'll get it we'll get ready to bang excellent looking forward to it all right well look man i'll let you go i've had you on about an hour here so i won't take any more of your time but i thank you for dedicating the time this morning i really appreciate it oh no it's right it's fine thank you very much for uh for reaching out i know you you know we've tried to do this for a while so and thank you for your for your kind words earlier on uh don't think i didn't hear them uh, i appreciate it uh i'm still trying to be the best musician i can so uh, i hope people enjoy you know what i release in the future or what i write or what i contribute to the scene because i you know i love this scene i'm very passionate about it oh well, i'm sure i'm sure they will thank you sir and uh hopefully we'll talk soon all right yes for sure all right man Respect my brother thank yeah, you take, take care
never fall Reassure them how we 